0: This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. We've been talking about, our series has been on the kingdom of God. We talked about that. The kingdom of God is anywhere where the rule and the reign of God is being exercised. Jesus, wherever He went, He preached and talked about the kingdom of God, and He demonstrated uh, the power of the kingdom of God as well. Now, last week we talked about the the operative powers of the kingdom, which is faith, hope, and love. That's how... if we, li- if we are of the kingdom, we're living in the kingdom, those are the things that we should be, uh, we should be uh, ordering our life in, that should be uh, the things that we're demonstrating. Jesus said uh, that faith has the power to what? Number one, please God. He said without faith it's impossible to please God. Then we know that He said about love, He said love never fails, does it? Because God is love. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because God never fails. If God never fails, then love can't fail. And then we talked about hope, hope being an anchor for our soul, hope being that which draws us forward into our future, into the purpose and the plan of God. So that's how we live, by those governing powers. And today we're going to talk about some governing principles of the kingdom. If you want to look in Romans 14, you know Jesus said this, Romans 14, he said, seek first, we know this in Matthew 6, probably everybody knows this verse. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, now, stop right there a minute. How are we supposed to do that? Well, we've got to know what the kingdom of God is, or we don't know what to seek, do we? We know this. It's faith, it's hope, it's love. That's part of what we seek, isn't it? Of course, obviously, we seek Him. But we seek faith, hope, and love as we build those things into our life by the Word of God, by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God. But also there are things that we're going to see today are governing principles that Paul mentions here in Romans 14 of the kingdom. And these are things also that would be a part of that seeking first the kingdom of God. And notice he goes on to say, and all these other things, what, will be? See, the the other stuff are add-ons. They're additions. They, they are benefits, but that's not the kingdom. They're good. God wants to meet your needs. That's a good thing, but that's not the kingdom. Clothes, it's not about what we wear. That's not the kingdom. It's not about what we eat, where we live, what we live in, what we drive. None of, that's not the kingdom. That's the, Those are tools and things that we may need in this natural life, but that's not, That's not. he said that in that dissertation, he said, this is what all the unbelievers are, are eager to get. Isn't that right? You know, if you look at the, you know, at the culture of today, that's what they, they tell you, this is what you need to seek. Man, you need to, you need to get this kind of income and drive this kind of car and wear these kind of clothes and live in the... the to, to the unbelievers, those who are outside the kingdom, unfortunately, sometimes those in the kingdom, they're seeking all these things because they think that's what life is about. But that's not life. Those are just add-ons. You know, uh, I, I, as a pastor, 19, I started in 1982. What, is what does that make this? 35 years. 35 years, you know, and I've been at a lot of funerals, done a good many funerals, and like I always say, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. That you can't take it with you. So let's look at some of the, the, the governing. In Paul's letter to the Romans, he reminds them of the true nature of the kingdom which he describes here in uh, Romans chapter uh, 14, verse 17. Let's read it there. He said, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. These are what I like to refer to as the governing principles of the kingdom. Now, we talked about the powers of the kingdom, which was faith, hope, and love, the greatest being love. But these are the governing principles of the kingdom. So our lives are to be governed by what? By righteousness, a life that is lived from our new union with Jesus Christ. That is my identification, is in Christ. Now, this is of paramount importance for us if we're going to live in the kingdom. See, condemnation and guilt, that's outside the kingdom. You, you can't see where it says the kingdom of God is condemnation, guilt, and judgment. But so many Christians, that's where they're, they're living their life from, is condemnation, judgment, and guilt. But he said, no. He said, you've got you've to move beyond that by what? Faith. And understand that now that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, now we've become a brand new person in Christ Jesus, and now that's where my identity lies. I don't identify with that old life. I don't identify with this flesh. Now, we have flesh. I mean, you know you got flesh, right? But that's not our identity. Our identity is found in our right standing in Christ Jesus before God. And I want to tell you something. If you don't learn to live... By this governing principle of righteousness in Christ Jesus, in the kingdom, you're going to live a life of up and down, up and down, up and down. You're going to live a life where you're striving, striving, striving to please God, but it always ends with a crash and a thud. Because we're, whenever we do that, we've gotten our eyes back on ourselves instead of on Him, who is the only one who is able to finish what He started in us. Amen? So it's, it's, it's that right standing with God that we're looking at. If you would, uh, turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians 5. I alluded to it, but let's just read it. Sometimes we quote these because of a time constraint. But let's read this. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Paul is writing. He said, God made him, speaking of Jesus Christ, Who had no sin to be sin for us. Who did God make Him to be sin for? For us. Let's personalize it. For me. Jesus was made to be sin for me. In other words, He was a sin offering. He took all my sin, everything, thoughts, deeds, actions, things I did, things I didn't do, things I should have done, all the ifs, ands, buts, wish I had, didn't, all, all of that you can think. He says He took all that on Himself. Now, why did he take that on himself? Notice here, he's going to tell us, made him to be sent for us so that in him, now, this tells us the location of our righteousness. In him, we might become the righteousness of God. So where is my righteousness found? In him. So anytime I begin to live with my focus somewhere else, guess what? I'm no longer living, controlled by the governing principle of righteousness in the kingdom. Now I'm living according to some, might be some law or regulation that I've built up in my own self. I may be trying to keep the Ten Commandments. I might be trying to teach something that grandma or grandpa taught me. Whatever is good. But you know, as soon as my focus gets off of the location of my righteousness, I'm going to come down sooner or later. My righteousness in the kingdom is found in Christ Jesus. That's my identity. The Bible says that our life is hidden with Christ in God. Are you listening? Now, one of the things about righteousness is that Jesus has given us the equity of His character. Now, I looked up this word equity. You know, we use that a lot, especially in real estate and all, but equity literally means when we talk about equity, uh, it's the excess of the value of the security over indebtedness. In other words, if you've got equity in your home, that means that your home is worth more than you owe. Otherwise, it's what they call upside down. That's not good. A lot of people dealt with that back in 2009, didn't they, with the With the housing crash, we were living down in West Palm Beach, and man, it was it was really bad there. It was all over because all of a sudden the devaluation hit, and now you owe more than your house is worth. But now, see, in in Christ Jesus, when he was made to be sin for us, his equity the equity of him as the spotless son of God was so much greater than my indebtedness that now not only is my debt paid, but now there's equity accrued to me in him. Hallelujah. So you're not, I'm not operating in, in the red. Are you listening to me? Man, I'm on the plus side of that column, plus, 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 plus. Isn't that Right? So this, this righteousness also, it gives us confidence and boldness. Now, you know, he says over there, when we come to the throne of grace, how are we to come? Cowering and begging and crawling and crying and... No, what did he say? He said, come with boldness, didn't he? That word boldness just means confidence. It doesn't mean arrogance, but it does mean with confidence. I said it like this now, all, my, all our kids are grown, but especially... When our kids were home, you know, especially the the two boys, you know, they reached that stage where they didn't, they never really stopped eating. They just kind of, you know, grazed, and then we had a meal, and then they grazed. And some of you know what I'm talking about if you had teenage boys. But you know, they never had to, you know, they didn't come, you know, crawling into the kitchen, and grab me by the pants leg or or Cindy by the end of the dress. Oh, please, can I have a glass of milk? Please let me have a glass of milk I mean, what if you if if you were visiting my house and, and I had a child that came in and started doing that, what would you think? You wouldn't wonder about the child. You'd wonder about what? You'd be wondering about me. How is he treating these kids? Holy cow, what kind of papa is that? And see, many times as believers, we see we don't live under the kingdom, even though we, we, we're in the kingdom, we're being robbed because we, we, we come thinking that we don't deserve it. Well, let's just get this out of the way right now. None of us deserved it. God gave it to us anyhow, now let's move on. Okay? Nobody's argued that you don't deserve it. But I got it. I didn't deserve it, but I got it. See, I'm, I'm not going to talk about before I was in Christ. Now I'm in Christ. That means what? I got it. What do you got? I got his righteousness. I got the equity of his righteousness accrued to my account so that now I can come with confidence and boldness before the throne of grace. He said to receive whatever you need in your, in your need or your, 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 whatever it is that you need. Your problems, your situation, what are you facing? He said because of this equity you can come with confidence now. Don't worry, you're not going to be overdrawn. It's not, your, your, your prayer check is not going to bounce. I'm trying to use, you know, different terms because sometimes it registers differently on people. But that's what it is. A prayer, when we make a petition, we're, we're coming to God, we're writing a check, so to speak, on what? On all that Jesus Christ has done and is doing. Amen? So he says we have confidence. As a matter of fact, if you read, we won't read there, but... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, in in I I think it's uh, in Isaiah. He talks about that the result of this righteousness of living in this righteousness is quietness and peace. Many people, many believers, good people, don't misunderstand me. I'm not criticizing anybody. Good people love God, but they're they're not living in the kingdom. As they could be, because, see, he said that this righteousness, this equity to our account, this being in Christ Jesus now, he says it produces quietness and rest. You know why? Because there's nothing left for me to do, to make myself in right standing with God. Let me ask you a question, hypothetical. How do you improve on perfect? How many believe when Jesus said, it's finished, it was finished? Because if there's anything that you need to add to it or I need to add to it, then it wasn't finished. But He said it was finished. I don't know about you, but I've I've come to realize that He's always the smartest person in the room. (laughs) If He says it's finished, then it's finished. And so we accept that by faith, and that... Brings what? Quietness and rest to my mind, to my soul. There's nothing left to be done. There's no I to be dotted, no T to be crossed. It's dealt with. Let me ask you, let me put it a little bit different way. When Jesus, as Paul said, was made to be sin for us, He took all our sins on us. Now, none of you were born yet, were you? I was looking to see if there's any graybeards out there. You'd be pretty old. So, how many of your sins were in the future? So he dealt with how many of them? Are you listening? Now, see here, see, we get into things because God deals outside of time, though he works within the constraints of time on our behalf. But see, this is why the Bible says from the foundation of the world. As far as God was concerned, what? He was the lamb that was slain. And so from from that point all the way forward through all eternity, ever how long that is, it's dealt with. And he said, you know what? When you realize that, when you will accept that and believe that, you will live, what, in confidence and rest and boldness. And then, you know, here's the thing. We need to learn to draw on our equity. Draw on our equity. We have equity in God. Equity, why? Not because you earned it, but because it was deposited to your account by Jesus Christ, the grace of God. He deposited the righteousness. Notice he said, what kind of righteousness did we get? The righteousness of God. Well, how righteous is God? As righteous as righteous can be. Isn't that right? There's, there's no higher righteousness. He's holy. He's pure. He's, he's separated. He's, all of those things that, that the Scriptures tell us He is, He's that and more. He's, he's righteous. So He said, that's the equity that we have deposited into our account in Christ Jesus. So we have confidence and boldness. And when we pray, when we go before the, the throne of grace that He speaks about in Hebrews 4, we should go with that consciousness, not I'm no good. I'm a bum. I'm a jerk. I'm no good. You know, I yell at my wife, I kicked the cat, I'm no good. Well, you need to get that straight, at least with your wife. (laughs) And and if the cat's hers, you might have to get that straight too. (laughs) But see, but that didn't make you righteous. See, you weren't out of fellowship with God because you had an argument with your wife. Are you listening? Now you need to get that straight. We need to forgive one another, don't we? Because he said if we, if we harbor unforgiveness, it will hinder our faith and hinder our prayers. But that didn't make us unrighteous before God. That just means we got a, a relationship problem. We need to deal with that. As a matter of fact, John says, he, John, the Apostle John went so far to say in his epistle, he said, Even if you sin, he said, there's a, there's a way that you can restore or maintain that right standing with God. And all we have to do is what? We confess. Isn't that right? He said if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to what? Forgive us. And what? Why well, is He able to do that? Because there's equity. Are you listening? There's equity. See, God didn't use up everything in that account, you know, in that, you know for, for just a one-time debt, He has put enough in that account to settle all our debts. I'm speaking humanly here, hoping that you w- will grab a hold of this. And so, righteousness is equity. We're made righteous in Christ Jesus, and He wants us to live this way. Look in Romans. You're right there. Turn back to Romans 5. Listen to this. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have we been justified? Just another way of saying what? We have been made and declared righteous by God. Justified. We've been justified by what? By faith. By faith. And now, because of that, what is the fruit of that? Peace. It's the second thing that Paul mentioned there in Romans. We have peace. You know what everybody in the world just about is looking for? Peace. What have we been talking about in the Middle East for as long as I've been alive? We've been trying to figure out, you know, some political solution, some, uh, some military solution, some whatever. You know, but those things don't bring peace. They don't bring priests. You know, what's one word? I mean, if I, we did a word association here, if we talked about Middle East, what's a word that, one word that comes to your mind? Conflict. Conflict. And see, it's unfortunate that uh, an association with being a Christian, that association, you know what that association should be? It should be peace. I'm a believer. What does that mean? I have peace. One of the things that should mark our lives as we live in the kingdom is peace. Say that word with me peace. Don't you just like the sound of it? Peace. This is what he's called to us. He said, notice, he said, since we've been justified, Freely forgiven. Now we're in Christ Jesus. All of His equity has been accrued to our account. He said, Now what? We have peace with God. Well, that's obvious. If all your sins are forgiven, wiped out, He said, as far as the east is from the west, He said, I've removed your sins and your iniquities and I will remember them no more. Stop reminding God of what He forgot. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but that don't make sense. If he forgot it, you need to forget it. Let it go. He said, because what? We have peace. We're to have peace. Peace. Peace with God means what? No condemnation. Paul went on to write in Romans 8. You probably know it. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are. Well, listen, where are you at? Are you in Christ? If you put your faith in Jesus as Savior, the Bible says you're in Christ Jesus. That's your identity. That's my identity. I know you look at me and you, just, you see this outward man, but I've got another identity in Christ. I may look like Clark Kent on the outside, but Superman's living on the inside. He's called the Holy Ghost. <laughs> He's not really a man, so. but you know what I mean. The bigger one, the greater ones living in us. That's my identity. I identify with what He has purchased for me. Amen. Man, if you were to give me a Lamborghini, you know what I'd do with it? I'd drive that thing. Now I know some of you might you might put it up in a showcase and go there and buff it down and all. That's fine. But you know what I'd do? I'd drive. Man, I'd, I'd go downtown in that thing. I'd be, be styling, man. And I wouldn't be apologizing for driving. Would you? No. Now, here's what I'd do. Somebody said, where'd you get that, man? I'd be bragging real big time. Man, Ed Bush gave me that. Hey, man, he is a friend and a pile. Boy, he's the best. I'd be bragging all day long. See, that's, that's what God wants us to do. All of this grace and all of this peace and all of this righteousness and all that He's given to us, we enjoy it. The world looks at it. They become envious. They ask us questions, and we say, Papa gave it to me. And we start bragging on Him. And they say, can I drive one of those, quote, unquote, Lamborghinis too? I'd like to have that peace. I'd like to have that joy. Mm. So there's no condemnation. Then peace with myself. No more trying to measure up. You need to get rid of that old trying to measure up stuff. That didn't work for thousands of years, and the New Testament is a result of the failure of trying to measure up. The old covenant, you had to try to measure up. Nobody could. So they said, okay, God said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to institute some animal sacrifices. So instead of the penalty falling on you, it's going to fall on them. But nobody could, nobody could keep the law. Nobody could keep the Ten Commandments. Nobody could keep all that stuff. They couldn't do it. Listen, don't take this the wrong way, but better men and women than you and I tried it, and they couldn't keep it. So why do you want to try to do that? You don't have to measure up. We're in Christ Jesus. We're living according to the principles of the kingdom of God. And he said, seek the kingdom. Seek God's righteousness. Seek God's peace. He didn't say, try to conjure up your own. With myself. Some of us, you know, we need to understand this and be at peace with ourselves. So many Christians striving and, you know, and they can't, they can't rest and they can't sleep. And they're always thinking that, you know, you know, like the sword of Damocles, it's just about judgment is just about to fall. All it is is a hair, you know, holding that sword. It's just, oh, I'm just waiting. I know the other shoe's going to drop. And, and, that, and that's the way they're living their Christian life. And he said we're to live it what? Peace. No condemnation. No guilt. Not with God, not with myself, and with others. Be at peace with others. Listen, just forgive people. How hard is it? It's not that hard to forgive. Think about how much God's forgiven you. We know the parable Jesus gave. He talked about... You know, the two the servants that owed different amounts. One was forgiven a, a huge amount that could not be paid back. And he went out and the guy owed him a couple of bucks and he was ready to just, you know, throw him in prison. Listen, let's just forgive people. Just forgive them. People are not perfect yet. You know, not, not like me. <laughs> you know, I'm joking, right? People aren't perfect yet. We're in the kingdom, but God's still working in us. He's still working in us. He's still fashioning us. Let's just forgive people. Let's, let's be at peace with each other. Be at peace with your husband. Be at peace with your wife. Be at peace with your wife. Don't carry stuff around. Just let it go. Forgive people. Let it go. You've got all this equity in your account so that what? Because you've been forgiven, you're able to what? Forgive too. Freely you've received, Jesus said. Freely. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. Yeah, and you don't know. Yeah, but you've forgotten what you did to God. Remember before you got all perfect and everything. And finally, he said, "Joy, joy, joy." We're talking about the governing principles of the kingdom. Paul said the kingdom of God is not about what you own, what you drive, where you live, what you eat. He said it's righteousness, peace. And joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy, it literally means cheerfulness. Boy, there's a endangered species, a cheerful Christian. You seen a cheerful Christian lately? We all, we all want to come and we all want to come and we don't want to be peeping time, but we all want to come and see a cheerful Christian. Where is one? Is there one in Montgomery? Come on. It means gladness. It means happy. Calmness. Delight. And also joy gives us inner strength and resiliency. It does. In Nehemiah 8.10, he said, The joy of the Lord is your strength. James, speaking in chapter 1, he said, Count it all joy when you fall into different tests and trials. Woo. James has been up on the mountain too long. That oxygen deprived him. (laughs) What are you talking about, James? Count it all joy when you're going through that. Yeah. Because joy is not, is something from the inside. It's not about your, your circumstance. This is kingdom living, folks. When You know, and I tell you this all the time, and it's true. You're either in a test or a trial, coming out of a test or a trial, or about to go into one. That's just life. I've lived this long enough, you know. You do, sometimes you just stumble over a few things. I don't claim to be brilliant, but you live long enough, you stumble. You know, that's true, isn't it? And you can go through it complaining and griping and making everybody around you miserable and staying miserable and go through it that way. Makes a trial seem like it's three times as long as it was. Or you can go through with joy, calmness, a delight, being joyful, being happy, being pleasant to be around. Because what? We know that God is working even in the midst of the test and the trial for our benefit. Woo. It's win-win. We win when we're in the trial. We win when we come out of the trial. God's working in us. We're talking about the governing principles of the kingdom. You know, let's be one of those rare and extinct almost Christians that are cheerful, happy, delighted, calm. And and listen, you talk about a testimony. Listen, the world knows how to get all upset when the things are not going their way. They don't need that example from us. They know how to do that. They know how, people, I mean, you know, people know how to gripe and complain. It's just part of human nature, isn't it? But the kingdom is about joy, joy. They know you're going through a difficult time at work and all, but you've got joy. You've got a calmness. Because what? Because you know that God is with you, God is in you, God is for you, and He's going to bring you through. And in the meantime, he's going to work something good in you. Hallelujah. So you just walk along with a smile on your face. You're not trying to, you know, we're not talking about trying to, to you know, to, to act a certain way. We're talking about this is joy. It's just welling up in me. Now, here's the thing. You know, I, I've used this illustration many times. You know, it's all about perspective, isn't it? Our focus. You know, I, I t- one time I took Cindy to, to, to New York for a birthday one year. I'm not going to say which one. <laughs> I'll be in trouble. But, you know, when we were there, you know, if, if I got a, I could whether it was a Chrysler building or the Empire State building or whatever, if I got far enough away, I could hide that building behind my index finger. But the closer I got to that building... Everything came into right perspective. You're like, wow. This is your trial. The building is God. Draw closer to God if you're having, pro- if you're having difficulty with just all you can see is your problem. You get close enough to God, your problem will still be there, but it takes on its proper perspective. And then finally, he said, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, God has given us as believers, He has given us His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, He's living in you. The Bible says, if you are Christ, then the Spirit of God is living in you. Now, the Holy Spirit didn't come just to be a hitchhiker. He's not living in you because, you know, He needs some way to get around. He wants to have fellowship with you. Fellowship with you. Now, if you're too busy... I've seen this happen in marriages. A couple, they're busy. Maybe they both work or just just life is going on, and they're busy with the kids, and they're busy with work, and they're busy at church, and they're busy doing this. Busy, 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 busy. And they never have time for each other. You know what? I've seen marriages break up because of that. Because what? That relationship that started out so strong and so special Nobody intended it to happen. Nobody was thinking, you know, nobody gets married thinking, you know what? Well, I'm gonna do my best from day one to make sure this fails. Nobody gets married like that. And, 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 and as a Christian, when when we accept Jesus and, and that that you remember that that initial joy and peace, man, I can remember it. Man, I'm telling you what. God forgave me so much. Maybe I realize it more. Some of y'all I know did God a favor, but He didn't get any favors with me. And He, you know, but that joy that you started out in that relationship, He wants it to grow, not to diminish. He wants it to grow, to have fellowship with Him. And that means just like in a marriage, you've got to work at it on purpose. When's the last time that you made an appointment with the Holy Spirit to just spend some undisturbed time with Him. You know God, He's got to be loved to be putting up with all of us, doesn't He? Think about how much He's ignored. Think about how much He's taken for granted. Think about how many times He gets bumped for something else that comes up on our agenda, and to-do list. If there ought to be any appointment that we keep, it ought to be what that appointment with Him. Even Jesus, He was the spotless Son of God. It said that He had regular times where He came apart and spent time with the Father. If He needed that, what does that say about you and I? See... With the Holy Spirit, we're either grieving or pleasing. We're either grieving or pleasing. Now, I won't turn there. You can look in Ephesians 4.30. You can read some things there where it talks about how we grieve the Holy Spirit. We ignore Him. We treat our brothers and sisters in an unkind way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've said this before kind of humorously, but it's true. You can't come up to me after the service and say, Pastor Norris, man, I love you. I you you're just the greatest. But man, I despise your wife. I'm not gonna be happy. I'm not gonna be glad. How many times oh God, I love you, I love you, I love you. But man, I'm telling you, they did something to me and I'm, you just told God's kid there that you hate him, But you're telling the Papa that you love him. That won't work. Let's don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let's please. What pleases Him? I walk in love. I walk in forgiveness. I walk in kindness to everybody. Not just Christians. Everybody. Pray for your enemies, Jesus said. Go the extra mile. I could go to meddling here in a hurry. The fruit of fellowship, we see it over there in Galatians. He said the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, meekness, long-suffering. You know what? As we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you know what? This fruit begins to come forth. Oh, yeah. And you know, no tree produces fruit for itself, does it? What is the fruit for? It's for other people to eat. It's not just for you. Now, you may get some side benefit, but that, all that fruit is for, is for others. Long-suffering, forgiveness, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, humility, all those things. That's for, that's for the benefit of other people. That's, that's a relationship thing. As we relate to people, both saved and unsaved, that is what they, they come in contact with us when they leave. You know what they've had a taste of? Not a piece of your mind, a piece of your fruit. the world gives you a piece of their mind what they need is a piece of that fruit that fruit from the fellowship with the holy spirit so here's the thing where's your focus are we seeking first the kingdom of god what does that mean again we can get you know we can get all spiritual about it and everything but to me at least part of it is this it is his righteousness it is his peace, and it is joy, and it's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's identifying with Christ, being in Him. That's where my focus is. Because you start focusing on everything else, your your own natural flesh and everything. I mean, it's not going to be long. You're just going to be so bogged down. And the enemy will come along and help you. He's called the accuser. Believe me, he's good at it. But see, when he says, seek first the kingdom. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, my focus is going to be on what? Now I'm in Christ Jesus. My sins have been forgiven. All the equity that, that, that God had in Jesus is accrued to my account. And now I have peace. I have joy. And these are the things I seek to cultivate in my life. See, the enemy wants you to cultivate fear. He wants you to cultivate guilt and condemnation. Because, that, see, that keeps you beat down. But God says, I want you to have joy. Hallelujah. I want you to have joy. Let me give you some action points this week real quickly. Got to close here. Some things. Ask yourself, am I living under these ruling principles of the kingdom of God? Am I Be, be honest with ourselves. Sometimes it's good to take an assessment. If you know if if you're living under a lot of guilt and and condemnation and and feeling like you're no good and you you don't measure up and all that, well, I can tell you right now, you're living outside the kingdom. I didn't say you weren't in the kingdom, but you're not enjoying the the all the privileges of being in the kingdom. <clears throat> I I think it was uh, uh, Spurgeon who went to. Uh, He went to visit an elderly lady in his church in England many years ago. This lady had been uh, had served in one of the royal households at that time, you know, uh, uh, like a duke or earl or somebody like that. Now she was she was pretty old and she retired. She just wasn't able to do it anymore. And she had this. He went in to visit her, and she was in this sparse little room, maybe a couple of rooms, a couple of pieces of furniture. She was on the bed, nothing in it to brighten it up or make it cheerful or anything. It was just, it was just one kind of, one little plaque thing hanging over her bed. So he went in. She'd been sick and been suffering and a lot of things going on and a lot of needs in her life. And he was there ministering to her and praying with her. And he was getting ready to leave. And he, he got up from the bed and his eye it caught this plaque that was over her bed. And he read that thing. And what, what it was, was that royal dignity that she worked for all those years through this piece of paper had bequeathed her so much income a year for the rest of her life and she didn't even know it. And see, here's the thing. We can live our life out of our own resources or we can live them out of His resources. And if we live out of His, that's seeking first the kingdom. Am I striving to measure up are just drawing upon the finished work of Christ, that equity. And then lastly, what can I do to cultivate my relationship with the Holy Spirit? Set some time apart. If, I'm serious. If you have to, just make an appointment. Get on your Outlook there. Get on your, your iPad. Get on your phone and just plug it in. Somebody says, hey, can you do it? Okay, I got an appointment. I'd be glad to help you, but I can't right now. i got an appointment. If Jesus was living in his flesh and bone body in your house, where you could see him and everything, and you both had agreed, we're going to have breakfast together every day, do you think that you would rearrange your calendar and your schedule to be at breakfast with him? Or would you fly out the door and, start out leaving a note sorry lord couldn't make it and eventually you don't even leave a note we need to take some time a relationship you know uh doesn't happen it doesn't develop. thanks for listening to today's podcast we hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by god's word